Hello, and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer, or Middle East soccer podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine and the international condemnation it generated contains key lessons for policymakers. They are lessons that should have been learned in past global crises, but weren't. However, the Ukraine crisis offers an opportunity to correct that mistake. A first lesson is that failure to firmly stand up to violations of international law as they occur convinces trespassers that they can get away with them. It emboldens violators to commit ever more flagrant infringements. Kicking the can down the road by failing to immediately and firmly respond to violations amounts to allowing an open wound to fester. The longer the wound festers, the more difficult, costly, and risky it is to cure it. The last 14 years of Mr. Putin's rule are a case in point. Mr. Putin began the recreation of his Russian world in 2008, when he recognized the two Georgian breakaway republics of Abkhazia and North Ossetia. The recognition constituted the first step in Mr. Putin's defining of Russian borders in civilizational rather than international legal terms. Mr. Putin has made no bones about the fact that he sees territories populated by Russian speakers and adherents of Russian culture as the determinants of Russian borders, not international law. The Russian leader demonstrated in 2008 and since his willingness to enforce his definition of Russian borders with military might. In 2008, the international community effectively looked the other way. The failure then to stand up to Mr. Putin emboldened him six years later to annex Crimea, which legally is part of Ukraine, and foster insurgencies in the Ukrainian republics of Donetsk and Luhansk. The United States and Europe responded by slapping Mr. Putin's wrists. The sanctions imposed at the time did little to stop Mr. Putin from increasing his war chest or making the cost of continued pursuit of his strongman tactics too costly and risky. This month's Russian invasion of Ukraine resulted from the international community's failure to draw a line in the sand back in 2008, or at the latest in 2014. The Russian aggression is the result of years of appeasement of Russia by many countries, said Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba. Russia is the most dramatic, most recent example of the cost of not responding firmly and unequivocally to infringements of international law as they occur. Other examples are numerous. They include the ethnic cleansing of Rohingya and the subsequent military coup in Myanmar. The 2013 toppling of Egypt's first and only democratically elected president in a takeover by the armed forces. The meek response to the brutal repression of Turkic Muslims in China. The increasingly blatant discrimination and disenfranchisement of Muslims in India and missed opportunities to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, to name a few. 
All of these examples, like Ukraine, contain lessons the international community asserted that it had learned from World War II. They all contain a lesson that should have been learned long before Ukraine, but is undeniably evident in the East European crisis. Abetting violations of human rights encourages and emboldens violations of sovereign, national, ethnic, religious, cultural, and gender rights. Back in 1989, Genocide Watch director Greg Stanton warned then Rwandan president, Juvenil Habayaremana, that if you don't do something to prevent genocide in your country, there is going to be genocide within five years. Five years later, there was genocide in Rwanda. It is a word, word of warning that echoes in predictions by Indian journalist Rana Ayub that Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Hindu nationalist policies could lead to large-scale violence against the country's 200 million Muslims, the world's largest Muslim minority. It is a warning that reverberates in the contrast between the reception and welcome that European states are justifiably, according to refugees from Ukraine, compared to the rejection of earlier waves of refugees from the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. A Moroccan journalist posted a video on Twitter of students from the Arab world and Africa watching buses on the Ukrainian-Polish border pick up Ukrainians every 15 minutes but transporting people from countries beyond Europe only every four hours. The journalist, Anas Daif, reported some students have been stranded for four days on the border, trying to escape the war. In a similar vein, prominent BBC journalist Lise Doucette, reporting from Kiev, highlighted the fact that humans in distress are humans in distress, irrespective of their ethnicity, or religion. In a video message, Mrs. Doucette explained that her reporting on the current crisis in Ukraine prevented her from personally accepting in the Iraqi Kurdish capital of Erbil the 2022 Shifa Gardi Award, named after a journalist killed in 2017 in Iraq by a roadside bomb. If anyone knows about the pain and hardship of living with war, it's the people of Iraq, of Kurdistan. And if anyone knows what it's like to live in a war that never seems to end, of living with powerful neighbors and the importance of independent journalism, it is the Kurdish people, Mrs. Doucette said. Mrs. Doucette's message brought it all together. The linkages between failing to stand up and early and firmly to flagrant violations of international law, abuse of human rights, and suppression of freedom of expression. Kurds formed the bulk of thousands of desperate refugees in Belarus who were trying to cross the border into Poland just four months ago. In contrast to Ukrainians being welcomed with blankets, cots, clothing, and hot meals, the Kurds were brutally beaten back as they sought to storm the borders. Iraq, Syria, and Turkey may have been different places if their national and or cultural rights, which they have been asserting for more than a century, had been honored. 
Instead, the international community abetted repressive policies of both autocratic and democratic governments. Similarly, Ukraine would have been a different place if the international community had stood up to Mr. Putin from day one. It would also be a different place if Europeans had less of a sense of superiority. Many have expressed shock that this could happen in 21st century Europe. Europeans would be better served to recognize that their continent is as prone to conflict as are other parts of the world. Ukraine is not the first such incident in Europe. It was preceded by the brutal wars in Chechnya, Georgia, and the wars of former Yugoslavia in the 1990s that three decades later could erupt again. That realization may be seeping in. War is no longer something visited upon impoverished and remote populations. It can happen to anyone, wrote Telegraph journalist Peter Hanan. It's never too late to learn lessons. The world is finally standing up to Mr. Putin. Yet there is little indication that the broader lessons Ukraine offers are finally being learned. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at www.jamesmdorsey.net. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. All the best and take care.